Welcome to Breaking Down Bits, a conversation about great comedy bits with the comedians who wrote and performed them. Welcome to Breaking Down Bits. I'm Brian Gendron. Hey, I'm Drew Jordan, and we're back at it. We had a little break over the holidays, and we've been you know, really busy. We've been excited to be so busy with the riot here in Houston. And, uh, you know, it never hurts to be busy, but we didn't want to let this slip. So we're back at it. Some great uh, conversations lined up for you all about writing and performing comedy. So uh, if you missed any of those past episodes or you just found us on this episode, we have a full backlog online, breakingdownbits.com is where you can find and search through uh, all the previous interviews that we've done, a lot of gems in there. I actually went back and re-listened uh, to some episodes, and I feel like every time you you listen to these great writers, these great performers, you get something out of it. I couldn't agree more, Drew. And it, it does. We we left you in the middle of season five. We promised never to abandon you again. But I, <laughs> I look, I think we were just getting burnt out, man. It was the holidays. We have we now run. I did the math, dude. We, right now we run over three hundred and fifty comedy shows a year. So give us a break. And next month, <laughs> next month it's about to be four hundred plus a year. So uh, yeah, we, we we deserved a little time off. We're back. We're coming in hard, and we got a great episode lined up to you for you today. Uh, let's yeah. talk a minute about our callback, man. Uh, oh, Caleb yeah. Sinan. Remember Caleb? Yeah, it, it, it feels like a million years ago. It was just a couple weeks, but uh, or a couple months. But um, yeah, I I really resonated with Caleb a lot. We have some similar um, history, I guess, in our just growing up experience, growing up as a, as a preacher's kid and stuff like that. And he mentioned specifically like during COVID, um, you know, if and, and some people are still experiencing maybe nowhere, no matter where you are, you might be not able to get out as much as you'd like. Uh, and so he went, he like went back into his past and thought through about his growing up experiences his he had some really fun bits. He was working out about like third grade, you know, uh, and experiences in third grade. And he just started brainstorming that. I think that's fun if, if you're not in a place, cause I think comedy thrives in new experiences. Um, when you, when you do, when you're out and about, that's when the ideas come. So if you don't have that, you have to manufacture it. And so he was just kind of sitting down and meditating on these old experiences and trying to see what he could pull out of it. And I like that a lot. Yeah. And we got to see him, you know, uh, work those out on stage, which is kind of fun on our show. So on our the show, the riot, uh, one thing I, I remember from Caleb, it was talking about getting a good tape and uh, one strategy that we have drew in our room is that we record everything because I hear comics, the nightmare of like, Hey, I got to get a tape. I got to get a tape. And you, you get the photographer, you get it set up. And then <laughs> you have the pressure of have the camera rolling and it, it just, it gets you for whatever, whatever reason, it just, it makes it different. Right. Uh, so yeah. if you're always rolling, you got the opportunity to get a good tape and, and Drew, thank you for your hard work on, on the, the riot on our comedy show, because I was able to get a terrific festival tape and get accepted in my first festival. So there we go. Yeah, he mentions like it, it's so weird when you know you're being filmed. Sometimes you become robotic and you're worried and you're just like you're so, I guess, just stressed out trying to nail everything and you don't have fun. Uh, it kind of takes takes out that that fun, playful mentality that you really need to have a good set. 
yeah, you approach it too seriously. So go check out that episode with Caleb Sinan. Check out all of our episodes. Again, it's breakingdownbits.com. Also comes back with us, Drew, is our online feedback mic, man. That's uh, Tuesday nights. That's uh, uh, 9, 9 p.m. Eastern. We, we're pretty consistent with that when we try, and we'll start trying again. So we've got one uh, every every Tuesday from here on out. If we don't host it, we're going to try to get guest hosts. So if you're interested in that, let us know. All you have to do is email us at, at breakingdownbits at gmail.com or DM us on any of our social medias, Breaking Down Bits. Yeah, that's a fun one. Always a good time. Try new jokes. Uh, kind of meet with comics all around the world. We've had people from literally everywhere come together and workshop jokes. It's super fun. Worldwide open mic Tuesdays, 9 p.m. Eastern. Hit us up. All right. You want to bring in our guest? Yeah, let's do it. Steph Tolev is a Canadian stand-up comedian currently living in Los Angeles. Her 2019 comedy album, I'm Not Well, received a Juno Award nomination for Comedy Album of the Year. She's performed at Just for Laughs and was featured on Bill Burr's The Ringers. She's currently a paid regular at the Comedy Store and has a weekly podcast called Steph Infection. Steph Tolev, how are you? What a nice intro. What a nice little collection of clips. I mean, for the listeners, I have lost my double chin now because that one clip of me in the ringers, I was quite swollen, but I've done some work. And by work, I mean, I got acid injected into my double chin and turns out it melts it away. So here we are. Oh. Hollywood, baby. You guys yeah. wouldn't know this. You're not women, but you can't be fat in Hollywood. You either have to be True. super fat or thin as hell. So we're trying here. <laughs> you have, you have to be one or the other. You Pick can't a lane. be in the middle. <laughs> I'm in the middle here. I'm like kind of chubby, but it's not big enough. So we're going, we're getting rid of the chin. The chin's gone is what I'm saying. Not even a minute <laughs> in. We've learned so much. You get be thin or fat <laughs> yeah, all the yeah, way yeah. Or, or nothing and that's acid. It. Burn it right off. It's good. Yeah, that's okay. it. Call Cabela. Changed my life. Anyways. Well, we're so we're so delighted to have you today, Steph. Uh, we uh, I, I got a chance to listen to your album, and uh, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Your mm. your your comedy is a lot of fun. We're excited, and you're actually going to be doing our show in a week or less than a week. I can't wait to have you. Uh, I'm very excited. So, I'm getting a PCR test two days before. Praying to God. <laughs> yes, be safe. Be safe about it. Yeah. But uh, but you couldn't have always performed this well. So maybe walk us, or maybe oh, you no. maybe you're a natural. I don't know. But walk oh, us no. through the journey. Uh, maybe tell us where you started. Tell us about the breaks you had along the way in your career. Okay, I started in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So when I was younger in high school, I wanted to be an uh, an actress. So I thought I'd get into acting school. I auditioned for a bunch of acting schools in Toronto. Did not get into any of them. But we have a program, uh, college called Humber College, and there's a writing performance, writing comedy writing and performance program. So I got into that straight out of high school, 18 years old, got into this two-year comedy program. And that was uh, when I decided I think I wanted to do, I, I, I started in sketch and improv. So for the first like three, four years after Humber, I was just doing, I was in an all-girl improv troupe and just doing that pretty much all, like almost every night. Um, and then you soon realize that improv makes absolutely no fucking money. And <laughs> it's, ins they're almost too, I don't know, did you guys ever do improv? Never. Okay, yeah. they're too, they're too nice, the crowds. Like, you would do something that was so unfunny, and they'd be like, oh, my God, what a choice. I'm like, I just thought <laughs> That's so unfunny. I'm dog shit. Uh, so then I started doing stand-up, and I, I was uh, kind of good at it. And then it was years, 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 years of doing it. I was, I made no sense when I first started. I was very hype. Like, you guys haven't really seen me live yet, but I, 
a lot of act outs, a lot of deep squats. I have like a crazy <laughs> yeah. energy when I'm on stage. Um, so at first I was just like all act outs and making no sense or no jokes. So it took me like, I'd, I'd say it took me six years, maybe seven to actually find my voice and figure out what I was saying, what I was talking about. I finally became more myself on stage. Um, yeah, so I think I have, I, at this point, I've been doing comedy for 19 years now. Uh, my oh, wow. first break. So you guys, Americans, have um, new faces that you get into Just for Laughs, right? Mm-hmm. Canadians have a different version. It's called Homegrown. Right. But when I was doing it, it was fucked because it was a competition. So it wouldn't just be your first time doing, like, it's your first time doing Just for Laughs. But you're mm-hmm. also in a competition against all your peers. And the judge mm-hmm. at the time was J.P. Buck, who booked Conan. So I'm like, my first time just for laughs, I'm competing. And now I'm fucking the judge from Conan. I'm like, this is fucked up. So it was a whole realm of stress that I was not prepared for. Ate shit, did not have a good set. Not happy with my set. I drank a Mickey of Jack Daniels directly after my set in the, um, in the uh, alleyway. Called my best friend ca- crying. And then I later on pissed my dress that night at one of the parties and had to go home and change. Yeah, it was by home, I mean my hotel and change. Uh, it was a lot. <laughs> Sounds like a big um, night. It was a big night. It was a big night. A lot of piss came out. Is there out. any video? Um, Can we no, share any video? <laughs> there's, there's probably a video of that set somewhere, but I was like, when I when I used to be really nervous, I would speed through my shit and make no sense, even though I'm already talking fast now, but I would talk even faster. Um, so that wasn't good. But my first, I think my first bigger break came like, Two years after that set, I did my first Just for Last taping, and that was a big deal. My parents came out, and they were like, oh, she's actually funny after doing comedy at this point for, what, about 10 years, I think I've been doing? Yeah, about 10 years. Because um, everyone out here is always complaining, like, oh, I did for, for Just for Last like, two times, and I didn't get it. I'm like, I auditioned for Just for Last six years fucking straight. Suck my fucking <laughs> asshole. Don't act like you're fucking, I'm like... Shut up. I hate when people complain about like how long they've been doing it. I'm like 19 fucking years. Um, I'm, I'm not complaining. Anyways, uh, so that was like the first big. So I did like the, and that was, I got a good tape off. I heard you guys talking about getting good tape. That was a very good tape I got. It was like, I got three crazy applause breaks in this big theater. And I'm like, oh my God. And like, everyone was like riled up in my set. Like everyone backstage was like, what the fuck? You just crushed. Like my sister was backstage and like, she started crying and I started crying. I was, like, it's like the best I've done in front of like that kind of crowd. Um, Maybe before that, actually, my biggest show I ever did, I was, fuck, 27. I opened for Rob Delaney. You guys know the Twitter mm-hmm. guy? Mm-hmm. He did a big show in Toronto, 1,200-seat theater, sold out in, like, two days. And I did that, and it was the craziest set of my entire life. I was like, because I don't know if you guys know a theater, but, like, when you you don't know, the, like, the laughs go out, and they roll back in. Like, it's a weird – people tell you that you have to wait a beat. I'm like, yeah, right, but then I heard it – it felt crazy. But nothing really came of that – Rob Delaney didn't even follow me on Twitter, fucking asshole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he did retweet. He did retweet that I was really funny, and then he erased it afterwards. I was like, "Suck my fucking ass!" Who you know? You know <laughs> up. Um, so that the just lasting came, uh, and then like as a Canadian, you always kind of want to move to the states, but it's not easy. You have to get a green card, and to get a green card, you, I'm not sure if you guys have heard how to do this, but Graham you have K. to fly. Graham, Graham K. K walked us through the whole okay. thing. Okay, yeah. then I won't, I won't get into it. He um, first came illegally, but then he then he went back and did it the right way. Yes. Yeah. See, I didn't want to do that. I didn't yeah. want to pull Graham K. I wanted to come legally the whole fucking time. Yeah. So when I was, uh, I guess, 29, um, I got on the – NBC was going to do a new sketch show, and they, uh, they did auditions all around the States, I think like Chicago, New York, L.A., and then two in Canada, one in B.C. and one in Ontario – and uh, they picked 12 people overall, and I was fucking one of them. I was the only Canadian that got in. 
So we got sent. So this is like, I was still like, what the fuck's going on? I got sent to LA for a week to work on the sketch show. It was crazy. Cause I was like put up at the NBC hotel and like, we did a fucking show. We wrote a show in a week and performed it in front of all of the NBC executives, like all the fucking big wigs. It was psychotic. It was crazy. And I, I had this character uh, that later on SNL stole. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I talk about it a lot. It's annoying. I have this like, gross mermaid character. And I think that's what got me into oh, anyways. The gross yeah. mermaid? It's a gross that's mermaid. Funny. Yeah, it, it's been online for a long time, but there was this look. like... The year after, uh, oh yeah, you can Google it. The year after I sent in my um, tape, they did a sketch very similar with words I said specifically in my audition tape. Anyways, am I better? Fair. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I'm not going to get over it. Um, anyway, so I ended up getting put on hold for that pilot and that allowed me to like work on my green card. Like I got like a bunch of like people from NBC like sent me like letters from my green card and stuff. So they were and, like crazy letters. Like one of the head NBC guys at the time was like, She's the next Tristan Wig. We need her here. And I was like, I am. Um, so I pretty much packed um, <laughs> up my life and moved to LA. The pilot before I moved ended up not happening. But I was like, all these NBC people love me. So I moved out to LA. Had the craziest meeting of my life the first week I moved here. I was like in this like glass room looking out into fucking Hollywood. And I was like, this is my life now. And then uh, all of those people got fired. So that was nice. Oh. That was a real nice... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's nice when that really slaps you in the face and you're like, huh, I moved my entire life out here. Um, but that happens. That happens. Uh, so then I, what the fuck? Uh, I guess I started my next kind of bigger break, I guess. I don't know if you guys ever saw the show, Please Understand Me. Um, sure. my, Weinberg and Stephen Fine Arts wrote and directed it. It was produced by Sarah Silverman and I got to be in one of the episodes. And from that, the director, Steve Fine Arts, uh, put me in front of Bill Burr, showed him my clip to do Bill Burr's The Ringers. So I did that set, which you saw, which you have, uh, which yeah. that was like my next big, like, oh, she's actually somebody in America. Cause before like, no one gives a fuck about Canadians. Cause they're like, well, who the hell do you think you are coming to our fucking city, our fucking state? <laughs> uh, but then that did well, but the problem is, ha ha ha, started getting booked and then COVID hit. So I was like, oh, I finally uh. got a fucking American credit, which just took me so long to fucking get, get this big fucking credit. And then COVID hits and I'm like, huh, now what? So then I got my ass on TikTok, which Lord knows what that's doing to myself, um, killing my, my self-esteem. But um, <laughs> And then, I, yeah, I just got past the store, which is the biggest fucking deal to me. That's the biggest thing that's happened in my career so far. Um, yeah. And that just happened uh, like less than a month ago. Oh, wow. Just, uh -huh. just, just had the talk with Adam, Adam Eager. No, he's not the booker yeah. anymore. Oh, he's Emily, not. He's Emily LaFord. Yeah. I didn't oh, know yeah. that. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did, uh, in COVID, I did a half hour special for Epics. Uh -huh. And Emily was working on that. Um, and then I was just kind of like doing, I was on development for like a year. Adam put me on development. So I was like already, I did one set on development and then everything shut down. And I was like, huh. And then I was like, oh my God, maybe they forgot about me. Maybe they took me off development. Uh, but no, 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 no. I, uh, I've been doing well in the belly room. And then I showcased like, I guess a month ago at this point, I showcased. And then uh, like the Sunday after Emily called me and she said, can I, can I call you? And I was like, uh-huh. And I was so high. I just ate an edible. And I was like, fuck. And she's didn't like, it. Yeah. I didn't believe it. She's like, I have news for you. And I was like, and I thought she was going to say like, thanks for trying. Well, have you showcased again? Cause I was like, I didn't, I knew I did well, but I don't think I killed my showcase set. And then she's like, welcome to the comedy store. And I was like, Ugh! and I just started like fucking crying my eyes out. Like, I don't think I've ever cried of happiness like that in my life. Cause it's like, you know, 
it's very hard as a Canadian to move to the States, especially like I get depressed a lot. So I like left all my friends and my family and like everything behind to come out here. Dating out here is hell. I'm constantly bitching about it and like depressed over it. And I got like fucked around by two of the main bookers in Canada. I'll out them. I don't give a fuck. Mark Bresen, who owns Yuck Yucks, was so fucking rude to me. I like I wore shorts one time on a stage because it was like 35 fucking degrees in the summer and I biked there and I killed. It was a showcase set. I fucking killed. He pulls me aside. I'm like, I'm getting Celsius. Half. Yeah, sorry. It's it's degrees. I, I refuse to fucking learn your fucking ways. <laughs> I just had to throw it in. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no, it's degrees. Um, yeah, Celsius. So uh, Mark Bresen pulled me aside. He's like, if you ever step foot on my stage wearing shorts again, you're never allowed. I, I won't put you up. And I'm like, I'll never fucking step foot on your stage again. Then fuck you. And I laughed. And everyone was like, uh, what the hell? I'm like, I don't give a shit. I'm, like, I'm sweating. I'm not going to fucking, what are you talking about? Uh, and then the worst one, um, uh, Jason Lawrence, please listen to one of these podcasts because I out him all the time, is an actual flaming piece of shit who hates women. He runs Absolute Comedy. And uh, I had like, I did. I hosted, I middled, I split middled, I did everything. I worked my way up for six and a half years with him. Finally asked the headline. I'd been, at this point, I've been headlining. I was already moved out here. I think I was like, been out here for two years. I've already headlined every other fucking club in Canada. He laughs at me to phone him. I pick up, he picks up the phone. He's like, what do you want? And I'm like, hi, how are you? He's like, what do you want? I'm like, hey, Jason, I'm calling to uh, ask the headline. He bursts out laughing. And I'm like, excuse me? He goes, you think you can fucking headline my club? And I'm like, are you fucking laughing at me? He's like, yeah, I am. I'm like, I'll never, ever work for you again, you piece of shit. Uh, and I never did. I'll never step foot in that club again. And now he can suck my ass because nobody that does any of those fucking clubs is past the goddamn comedy store. And I want them to suck my whole ass because they're treating me like absolute <laughs> fucking dog shit. And um, now they can suck it because I feel great. And it's nice to rub it in their fucking faces. That, I know it's it. so petty, but I don't give a fuck because it was like, you know. It's an interesting perspective, though, because, you know, obviously we've taken on the role of Booker in, in our room, whatever that's worth. And, yeah. you know, I, we are pretty empathetic as a person it's still new at this. And you don't you know what? What do you want to hear if if maybe you're not ready for a room? You don't want to hear that, obviously. No, like, you don't hear that. And also the way like you wouldn't have a phone call. You'd probably have it over email, which is a normal thing to do. Yeah, that's what this it is. Man now, yeah. Makes you phone call. He, he still does. Like it's still oh. like he's like set in the, in the early thing. Problem is with him, like at least Mark Bresnan books women. This man has like three female headliners. Still, it's 2022. Like, what are we, what are we, what are mm -hmm. we doing here? Um, also, I would never, I know some people are ballsy and they ask and when they think they're not ready. I would never ask the headline unless I knew I was ready. At this point, I'd already released two albums. Like my album got fucking nominated for a Juno. Like, I, I don't think I'm shit. Like, I'm, I, I'm not a fucking piece of shit. I can do a full hour anywhere I go. Like, I don't know. It was just the laughing in the face. I think it's just a, a normal, a simple email. Hey, thanks for reaching out. You can even say something like we're booked uh, as of right now. Let me book, come back again or, or something like, or let me know when you get a couple more credits or something. But it was like, he really had no reason not to book me. And it wasn't yeah. like I was new at this. And it's just, I also, because I had worked my way up through the club, I did exactly what he said, like all of the steps. And I was still like laughed at. I was like, no, no, I'm not doing with this. Other clubs like who've said no to me, I don't give a fuck. Okay. Big whoop. Yeah, well, that brings up a good point. Like for comedians, like there's a, a weird backside of this industry that is, you know, it's who you know, it's uh -huh. who oh. it's them seeing you perform well, I uh -huh. guess. And it's club to club, owner to owner, doesn't matter what you did over here. And that it's and it's it's it seems like in our, even in our experience, there's a lot of really strong ego 
personalities at play and you have to be able to navigate those things mm -hmm. to be successful at comedy. It seems like, I mean, we, yeah. we have limited experience because we're, we're not in your seat, but I'm sure you can speak to how to successfully navigate this backside of the comedy scene to, to make sure you get the spots that you deserve. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I just think, I'm trying to word this in a way that's not horrible. He, this person, Jason also books people like he books his good friends. So a right. lot of the people he books are uh, not funny at all. And you would never, if I had sent you the clip right now, some of you, I'm not going to name anybody's name because they're nice people. But like, if I sent you some of the headliners, you guys would burst out fucking laughing and be like that person. I, I, I wouldn't let them do. I wouldn't let them do five minutes as a guest spot. Like it's crazy no. what he calls a headliner. And it's just, it's just him clearly rewarding his friends, whatever. And it's just, sometimes you can just tell the booker, and I don't want to pull this because I'm a girl, but sometimes they're just straight up sexist. And there's, they're stuck, he's stuck in like whatever year it is. Like, you guys, I, I always look when I'm getting booked somewhere, I always look and see, I'm like, Halufo is the week before me. I'm like, I always see like where this girl's. And I'm like, yeah, this, this is how it should be. And also at this point, it's like, women want to watch women. So I, women also yeah. go to your fucking shows and people are getting all worked up about it, but yeah, this, uh, yeah, there's definitely time to navigate. If you think, like, I didn't start calling myself a, a comedian until I was getting fully paid. Like, a lot of people start comedy, like, even when I was, like, again, 19 years, I maybe, like, five years in, I was like, I do comedy. I'm not a comedian yet. I'm still working as a fucking waitress. Like, I don't think I called myself a comedian until I was a full-time, like, actually getting paid to do comedy. Sure. So I think you need to, like, realize, and if you you need to be able to do 45 consecutive minutes a lot, not just one, not just one 45. Like you need to have like, I think a bunch of 45s to switch it up. Like I always get, whenever I do, like I just did the Creek and Cave a couple weeks ago. And like every night I changed up at least four jokes. Cause I'm like, the sound guy's going to hear me again. I'm all, I'm embarrassed. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want the staff to hear me do this. I'm, I don't want to do the same set exactly either. Cause it bores me mm -hmm. the same, like open close. It's like, I need to like suss it up a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Now we talked about that. Actually, I think in Caleb's episode, the last episode about how, uh, you know, you, you have to make it fun for yourself. It has to yeah. be fun for you or your performance is going to suffer if you're just up there going through the motions and repeating the same set over yes. and over again, which is part of the game for sure. It if you're is. a road comic, mm -hmm. but if you can interject something and do, do something to keep it fresh and fun for you, drop in a new joke, mix up the order. Mm -hmm. You gotta do, do crowd work, even yeah. like that's the that's the part about live shows I like the best. It's like there is a crowd there. Fucking use them. Like I, I never understand. I, I, LA was the first place I came where I'm like, oh, no one does crowd work out here. Like they walk on stage. Huh. I guess they're always waiting for their like, especially at the improv or something. You have like, you know, you don't get a lot of spots there. You you get up, you're like, hello, and then you go directly into a bit. You're like, so the other day I was walking. I'm like, whoa, address something. Like especially if something crazy happened before. Like I saw a comic, not gonna say names, but do a set at the store after an uh, insane thing happened. Like somebody got kicked out. It was this whole ordeal. It was dragged out for so long. Comic goes right up and immediately starts doing their jokes. And I'm like, even the crowd was like looking around like, oh, they're going to, they're going to address this, right? Like the person was still getting kicked out by security. I'm like, you gotta <laughs> say something. Everyone is like watching. It's, it was wild. It, it literally like, and then I, like during their set, by the end of it, they were like, Oh, I should have said something, right? And I was like, yes. Like the crowd was like, we we needed you to say something. To, like, otherwise it's like so robotic and strange. Like yeah. the older road dogs you hear that just do that where they get up and they're like, 
and like they have their like they breathe in the same spot they have like the same time they turn their head like it's like fucking <laughs> clockwork it's crazy it, it blows my mind i'm like sinking in my chair right now because i know i was a newer comic so whatever but like almost a year ago now uh there was a fight in the back of the room cooks versus <laughs> comics cooks from the place <laughs> versus comics and then I had to go and I was like kind of in the mix and like I hit my head in the thing. And then they're like, all right, Brian, you could go do your eight minutes. And I was, so I was immediately after this fight in the back of the room, people got kicked out and didn't say anything, just ran the jokes and fucking bombed. Right. And so you're right. I mean, I, I from, from experience, that's true, but, yeah. uh, but just do, like you said, acknowledge the crowd, do the crowd work as a part of your set. And that's how they, a lot of times they expect that they're like, I'm going to, especially if it's a smaller room, they know it's a more intimate vibe that there yes. might, they might be a part of the show. And that's the fun element for a lot of people. That's the best part of a live show. That's, this is what uh, the number one tip I always give new comics host your own show. Not a lot of people like hosting out here. I've noticed in Canada, we all hosted all the fucking time. Host your own fucking show. Get good at crowd work. Don't be scared to be the first person to go up. You should love to go up first. I love hosting. I want to be the first one to get the laugh. I want to get up there and read the room, get them on my side. Like I, that I hosted, oh my God, I don't even know how many shows in Toronto. Maybe 10 the whole time I lived there, maybe more. I, I would find little weird rooms. I'd go in and ask them if I can start a comedy show. I mean, obviously not all of them worked. I mean, me, Caleb, actually, and Troy Walker ran a show out in LA. I know we talked about that called Skits. It was on Skid Row downtown LA rats would run by one and like homeless people intense behind us one homeless guy hated me so much he literally would come up out of his tent and, and like look at me and go is the bitch on tonight and I'd be like yes I am and then he pointed to Caleb and go is this guy on I like this guy I fucking hate the bitch and I'm like all right because one time he tried to ask for change and I was like get out of here so now he hates me um I was the man I was the security of that show if it's me yeah me Caleb and Troy I'm the security uh, <laughs> no question on that one but yeah, host your own show, get good at crowd work, get good at just being not scared of crowd work. Because I know a lot of people are like worried about it. Get to the point where you can, like, I used to force myself to, I'm like, if I don't have a new joke, because I, I ran a weekly show, I'm like, if I don't have a new joke, I need at least three minutes of, of crowd work to find something new or to just, because I'm like, it's my friends coming again. I can't have them watch me do the same fucking bullshit over and over. Yeah. It just when it makes you quicker, I think, as well, if you... For your your yeah. strategy of hosting, when you when you step up, do you do you try to get directly into the crowd work first? Do you typically yeah. drop a couple jokes and then do it? No, no, I try to get right in. Just right into oh, the yeah, right, right in there. Yeah. Hi, how's it going? You look mm -hmm. weird on the front row. What's going on there? Kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, I, I got a little tip too that we've learned because we host a bunch of shows and we have the same dilemma, right? People, we're starting to get some fans. People that come back, we're like, oh shit, we're running the same material every night. We got to mix it up. But one quick thing you could do to get comfortable with crowd work is do the simple hey who's celebrating something tonight mm -hmm. and just get used to doing the birthdays and anniversaries and play with those a little bit that's a great kind of uh you know way to get started to get more comfortable at least yeah, it was for me and there's always that people are always there for something like you're right. gonna find an answer with that and then you can get like some stock bits from that if like you get a good one yep. line one time like whatever birthday joke is i don't have one but like if you had a good one then you can use that again like it's just, it is practice and I get it. It is nerve wracking, but it's just something you have to start doing. I think. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think doing, I mean, I think Brian and I have both, you know, been a little more leaning into crowd work um, as we host this show more and more and the crowd interaction. And it's been, it makes it so much more fun. I, I, you know, I even use those clips on TikTok. Those have been really uh -huh. kind of uh -huh. successful uh -huh. on TikTok for those yeah. one-off moments that, 
that are funny that it's not burning any material it's just a fun interaction and then people like the 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 spontaneity of what's going to happen how are they going to respond what's he going to say there's something fun about that and it is good to also have that exactly do not burn material because i'm at the point where now i'm like Ooh, I've posted a lot of my stand-up clips. I'm like looking through old tapes. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna be taping every fucking set of your show to be like, okay, need it. Need. I also I'm like, I need a new bit to post, so I, I have yeah. to have new bits here. I can't be posting. I'm gonna post the same fucking jokes. Uh huh. Yeah, I've actually started throwing some jokes into my set because we record pretty much everything at the right. I've been specifically throwing jokes into my set list just to see like, Hey, maybe this will, this is kind of a weird joke that I feel like might work on TikTok. Let's see if yeah. I can get a good tape of it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. And that, that all goes back Drew, to the thing. I mean, get, get a camera and record everything. It, storage is cheap. Mm-hmm. Now it doesn't cost you shit mm-hmm. to record, to, to store all this stuff. And then Drew and I talk about it that we never execute on it. Like let's sit in the back of the room and make notes as to when in the show, something might've happened that was, you know, out of the ordinary that could be, you know, cut into a clip. Um, these are all good tips and maybe we just got to start eating our own dog food with that. Yeah. <laughs> we have to actually start doing that, but yes, that's the, that's the <laughs> idea. Is. You, you do it out there in, in the internet. Hey, uh, so I'm going to, we're going to transition into writing. Drew, I'm going to call an audible. I think this is good. You, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but uh, we'll go ahead. Let's watch your clip and then talk about writing performance. That sound fair. Mm-hmm. This is a new thing on breaking down bits. New year, new oh, us. Man, we're really getting, we're shooting from the hip on this one. <laughs> yeah, it's not a, it's not this monumental thing. But so we're gonna go ahead and watch you, Ringers. You told us how you got to it already. Anything you remember specifically about that day? Is before we roll the clip, or um, I don't think I've ever been this nervous in my life. I was pacing outside, so it's down to this this uh, venue is downtown LA. I was pacing outside, just like so nervous, and I see this man approaching me, and he goes, "Hey," and I go, "Can I fucking help you?" And then Bill Burr lifted his hat. He goes, it's Bill. And I went, oh, oh I thought you were homeless. He's like, what? And I'm like, oh, my God. He's like, you thought I was homeless. I'm like, oh, the sweater? He's like, I like this sweater. And I was like, oh, my God, stop laughing. And he, was like, he was like not laughing, but I'm like, no, no, you don't look homeless. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, I, he's like, okay, it's fine. And he walked inside. And I was like, oh, great. I just fucking told Bill Burr he looked fucking homeless. But he was like super cool about it. And he came up and talked to me after and was like, are you okay? You look really nervous. I'm like, cause I was like, I was pacing just like up and down the fucking outside, up and down inside. And then, uh, the showrunner was like, you got to calm down. He's like, listen, if you fuck up a joke, stop, reset and do it again. And I, the other two days I've done, like, I think this is my fourth taping. I did, th- I've done three just for laugh tapings and this is my first American taping, but I fucked up. I flubbed a fucking joke and I stopped and I went, no. And I went to the crowd. I went, I fucked up. I go, I'm going to do it again. And you're all going to fucking laugh. And they're all like, yeah. And they got like so Uh-oh. into it. And I was yeah. like, okay. And then I reset it. That joke didn't make the cut. And I, I don't know why, cause I thought it was my funniest joke, but um, yeah, that, so that happened right before, but like, yeah, some of these tapings it's, you got to make them feel loose, but yeah, that, that happened and it was kind of stressful, but it still was. That's interesting. I wonder, yeah, yeah. sorry to st- uh, stall before we start the clip, but like for somebody to tell you that you, they, they kind of took your safety net uh, or gave you a safety net. It's almost sometimes better not to have it. You know, it's, if you know you have it, you might be, uh, you have that opportunity. I think to, to flub the joke and know you, oh, I'll be okay. And uh, like as long as you call it out, because it's like, of course, it happens on tapings. Like, you can't say everything perfectly, and it was just like I just like mumbled it too much, and I knew as I was saying it, I'm like, oh fuck, that, that's not gonna make any sense. So I was just like, fuck it. And then I think by me making it so casual and calm, and like I made it a big deal to do it again. I'm like, I'm gonna run back out here, and they're all like. Ugh getting into it so i think they also felt like they were part of something like kind of like behind yeah. the curtain they're like "Ooh, we're part of this and yeah felt, that's right yeah that's a good that's a good strategy okay let's run the clip 
I planned that. Fun mic bit, huh? I'm a clown. That's great. Don't answer me, please. I, um... I was, isn't this a cool venue? I was here recently seeing my favorite band right here in the mosh pit, 34 moshing. <laughs> it's embarrassing. I really shouldn't. It is fun to just knock a 19-year-old in the throat. It's gonna get the fuck out of here, you piece of shit. Huh? Get the hell out of here. Can't find me, loser. It's great. It's fun. I'm Canadian. You're welcome. Hey, it's fun. I like to scare all the boys in L.A. and tell them that this is what every woman from Canada sounds like. Like we've been foraging through the woods our whole lives. I've survived off of only rainwater and bark. It's very hard for me to swallow. Lined with wood chips. It is hard, it is. Or it sounds like I got stuck behind one of those cement trucks and I just... I don't know what that was. That's... Wow. That's how I... They look tasty. Don't look at me like that. Okay, that's fine. Very warm woman being Canadian. Very hot all the time. Very large glands. It's the only way I cool off is if I head down to the ocean and I just, ooh, just dip my lips in the water. <laughs> just a light kiss of the sea, if you will. Light smooch in the ocean. Get a bit of salt in there, ladies. Feels good, huh? Cleans her out. It's refreshing. It's nice. Guys are alarmed. I feel like I look like an old dust catcher's mitt walking around LA. Everybody else is very hot and fit and I'm just crow's feet head to toe. It's hard. It's very hard for me. So I uh, <clears throat> try acting younger, tried wearing a choker necklace. You ladies do this? Literally choked. I barfed in the back of a bar. Can't wear one. Got a very strong neck for a woman. Got a very thick neck for a gal. I have my father's neck. That's the problem. Got all the things a woman wants from her dad. Got his giant nine and a half man feet. Don't look, you pig. Trust me. Got his really broad European back. Can carry a lot of water through a village on this thing if anybody's parched. I'm sturdy, built like an ox. I can walk for miles. And I got my dad's nipples. Found that out at the cottage this summer. My dad popped out of the water. I'm like, why do those look familiar? Oh shit, they're mine. That's why. Everybody hikes in the city. I don't know why everyone acts like we're getting dropped in the middle of the woods with a compass. It's, you're walking up a paved path, looking at the tops of things and walking down. Who fucking cares? Hiking up Griffith, bragging, get to the bottom. I'm on the main street, there's a loose dog running amok. I'm like, I'm gonna save this dog. I'm gonna be a hero. In the middle of the street, chasing a dog. It's like a refrigerator got loose, chasing a dog in the middle of the day. It was a lot. Very close, cars are honking, everyone's quite worked up. Bit of a traffic jam, get right by the dog, lock eyes. I'm like, don't move, motherfucker. They're coming up with me. Cop goes by, rolls his window down, goes, hey, idiot. I'm like, me? He's like, yeah. Stop chasing that coyote. <laughs> I chased the coyote for 15 minutes. Had no fucking clue. You guys ever seen a coyote before? Very sick looking dog, if you're wondering what it looks like. Very ill animal. Very bald. Several open sores on its back. Tough to hair right here, nowhere else. Spooked me. <laughs> I had it stuffed. I'm not gonna make that mistake again. Oh, I sleep with that coyote. Closest thing I've had to relationship in years. It's sad. It is. It really is. This guy's gonna barf. That's great. Um, is anybody else getting to the point of loneliness in the city where they just want night terrors, or am I the only one? Just want to feel like there's a man in the room with me. I'm like, oh, he's back again. Thank God. Oh, oh. Get out of the corner, you faceless ghoul. Come hover on top of me the way you like it. It's like we're snuggling, but it's scary, and I can't breathe. It's nice. It is nice. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> I kept going. I was like, how long are we watching this? I know. Jesus watched the whole thing. Christ. I was going to try, I tried to interrupt the coyote, but I was like taking notes <laughs> while you're funny jokes. Uh, uh -huh. But that's so funny. What a, what a, what a fun set and just a fun presence on stage. Um, just how you play with, you're so playful with the audience. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I also, I'm like, I haven't done any of those jokes <clears> in a very long time. I'm like, these are good jokes. I gotta <laughs> bring these jokes back. Are you taking notes on your own? I, this I was like, I don't know if the coyote jokes on uh, TikTok. We got to put that on there. Yeah, I, lo I love, I mean, I would say that you and Caitlin both have a high energy style. We just got to watch Caitlin all, all weekend. Yeah. And I love the kind of that style where it's jokes, crowd work, a lot of tags, high energy. It's it killed. She murdered the room all weekend with just like that fun. Like so many comics come out and it's like, here's a joke. Here's the punchline. Yeah. Here's a break. Here's a joke. You know, it's just like there you're you you feel like you're actually experiencing uh, a live you know comedy thing is happening you don't know where it's going to go it feels a little unpredictable and i think audiences lean into that like you're you're making it fun and 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 all those little tags no matter how written or or actually like you know how many of those you have in the bank or how many are are improv on stage who knows uh they feel they all sound and feel like they just happened in front of me. Mm -hmm. I feel like, um, yeah, most of them are. I think I now don't think I'm, I don't think I have any punchlines. I think it's just tags. I, think <laughs> I just have I just have a premise with a bunch of tags. Uh, <laughs> that's all it is. I'm like, oh, no one punchline here. Um, Caitlin has punchlines, yeah, because a lot of people. I think it's also a newer generation because it's not that same setup punchline joke anymore. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like I don't know if you guys know who Deborah DiGiovanni is. I don't. You should. She's the funniest person ever. She's one of my favorite comedians. Uh, her style, I think I, I definitely learned from her. It's just like, I don't want to do a, a minute and a half and have one laugh. I want to have laughs the entire time. I want every single thing to come out of my mouth to be a laugh, to be a joke. I don't want to have this long buildup and then a thing. I don't like that. I, I don't want to watch them like that. Like I want it like, like when you watch Sebastian Maniscalco, everything he says is funny. This is what this is. A, this description's funny. That act is funny. Like, it's like, I want, I want the laughs the whole way. I don't want just that one yeah. big laugh. Like I don't, that doesn't never, I like the whole thing. We, mm -hmm. Drew and I looked at each other after Caitlin Palufo set. And of course, you know, your similar style. We're just like, hey, this is not traditional comedy. As you said, they're they're mm -hmm. stepping on laughs, but it doesn't feel that way. You, like you said, it's just tags. So it's just yeah. rolling the laughs. Is, whereas, um, you know, you're told to like, all right, tell your punchline and no wait way. for it. Yeah. I don't I, I don't think I've ever waited. I've been told to wait. And I've noticed that if I do stop after a joke and like get a drink or something, the laugh is bigger. But I'm like, I, I don't. I probably should, but I'm like, I just, the way my mind's working when I'm on stage too, I'm just like, gets the bit, gets the bit, gets the next bit. Like I want to just keep it going and have it like kind of, kind of flow. Uh, I guess, does it flow? I don't really know what the hell I'm doing up there. Sometimes I watch myself back like that. I was like, I'm chaotic. Like I can't, I'm very <laughs> ADD. Like that guy that was coughing. I'm like, what is this guy's going to barf? I'm like, why would I even focus on that? Like I'm in the middle of a taping and I'm like, this guy's coughing. Like who cares? Ignore the man who's coughing. Like, why would I even notice that? Most people would not notice that. I, I like nothing can get by me. It's, it's actually a problem sometimes. It's, it's like I'll be in the middle of a joke and I'll hear one little peep and I'll go, "What's that?" I'm like, "What is it?" Just leave it. Like, why do I have to address whatever that was? It's like, it's like someone's opening a cupboard. I'm like, Indian in the cupboard. I'm like yelling something out. I'm like, why do I have to, like, just stop? It's a movie. I seen it. Um, yelling. That sounds really racist. Indian in the cupboard. You're like, no. Um, Classic. It's, it's a movie. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like that sometimes I'm, I'm chaotic when I watch myself. That's why I think I'm I'm much better live. 
Yeah, I, but, I think I'm okay. I, it's fine to watch it, like to watch that. But I think once people see me live, they go, "Oh, she is crazy like that normally. Like that's just how she is." <laughs> yeah, we've seen like I think it's similar to what Jeremiah Watkins kind of the experience mm. you get with the Jeremiah Watkins. It's like the, I think there's something really fun about being a little unpredictable and and responding and being in the room with the audience and 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 you're so fast and, and with the quips and stuff that like. Yeah, every live show with you is going to be a little different, a little special because uh, mm -hmm, it's because mm -hmm. you're making the audience a part of the experience. And, and I think that's what we all should be doing as comics is is we're not up there just to do monologues. This is yeah. a live, you know, uh, entertainment experience and the audience is in the room with you for a reason. <laughs> um, your show, I'm, I'm a little worried. It's this is very honest and I've never done this before. I'm on a diet and I'm not drinking. So this is going to be the first time I've ever headlined without having a drink. I always have yeah. since I started headlining one or two drinks just to get a little bit loose, uh -huh. but I'm going to be stone sober the whole fucking yeah. time. And I'm like, well, we'll see. Just, <laughs> just pills this time. Okay. Just yeah, that's right. I'll just, be, I'll be on Molly. No, I'm on Molly, but I'm not going to be, uh, I'll just be, rolling the whole time just like really rubbing the stool like does that stool bit for a long this time sweater ah. yeah that <laughs> yeah it'll be a, a lot of rubbing um so you guys can get the molly right um yeah, we'll, we'll have it ready for we'll have it. it's, it's a... just one pill backstage and a water that's all yeah. that's my writer <laughs> That's right. Uh, I don't drink either, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll cheers Topo Chico and uh, go tell please, some jokes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're trying to go 30 days without drinking, so yeah, this there. is smack dab in the middle. I, I can't do anything about it. You kind of picked a good room. We're not really a party room. We're, uh, I mean, you, you could do whatever you want. You can party it up, but yeah, we're, you, you picked a good room. It, you, there's there's another maybe another club across town where, where, you know, the drugs are in the green room and stuff. That's not us, so. Yeah. Oh, I've never done. I never do drugs. Be easy. On stage. No, 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 drugs after. I'm not doing like uh, hard drugs. People think I'm on cocaine. You have no idea the amount of people. I would say, at least once a show, somebody asked me if I'm on coke. Do you lean into that that idea? No, I hate cocaine. I think it's disgusting. And well, I'm no, but the, like, the idea that they would think that. I don't know if you ever gone into the material around that. No, not really, because I don't want. I don't want to be considered like a drug. I don't want anyone to think I'm actually on drugs. Like, I know people find sure. it hard to believe that I'm like an absolute lunatic normally, but I'm like, I, something, I don't know what it is, but the second I hit the stage, like a surge of energy just comes over my body. And it's yeah. like, I can't even explain it. I can't practice it. I can't explain to the younger comics how to get it. I don't know. It's just the second I hit the stage, I just get like, ah! like I could be literally fast asleep backstage and they're like, call me. And I'm like, and I run on and it's like a whole different, like, I'm just jizzed up, ready to go. Yeah. I can just turn it on real quick. Like it just yeah. naturally turns on. Which is a natural transition to our sponsor, Dare. Just say no to drugs, guys. Uh, not a sponsor. I was like, oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> you got us a sponsor, dude? What? <laughs> <laughs> a sponsors. Uh, but I, I feel that too. I feel it, it, it turned, it, this, it's a, I don't drink caffeine or anything either. And this oh, is like, wow. this, this is my caffeine. I, I get on stage, oh, I get charged crazy. up. And Brian has no be... fun in life. Yeah, he's going to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, wait. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I will be drinking after 30 days. And also, I will be sucking back coffee. I'll probably take coffee on stage. I don't want to tell you. I'm going to be do, fucking. We do it. We can't get you a hot pot, pot of coffee. And they got okay. Red Bull in the gun, which is. Yeah, I'm not drinking that. That's yeah, disgusting. no, don't do that. No. Yeah. Yerba mates I can do because those are okay. But no, we're not doing Red Bull. Um, uh, but you asked before about writing. Yeah. My writing. Uh, I will say I'm lucky enough that I have a strange life and very borderline bad things happen to me especially with men um and uh, strange things in general that coyote story 100 real 
I chased the coyote <laughs> to a point where I was literally a foot away and I went to grab it and a cop literally was like, what are you doing? Like I, everything I say on stage is from a very real place. Like, <laughs> like you can tell when something isn't, and I feel like I'm obvious enough now too, because I'm very honest and open on stage. So you can tell if I'm like making up a punch, like sometimes my stories have no ending and I'm like, blah, blah, blah. And then I'll say something. I'm like, yeah, obviously that wasn't real. Like I had to add something to make it funnier at the end, but I'm like, all of my shit is real. Like it's all painfully, painfully real. <laughs> People don't believe me. Half the shit I say, they're like, yeah, right. That happened. Like a man bit my neck mole off like two years ago. Yeah. Uh, and I don't talk on stage because people are grossed out by it because it's insane. But they're like, that didn't happen. I go, yeah, I'll show you before and after photos. I had a neck mole, a man bit it off. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, shit just happens to me. I don't want it to. I wish this yeah. wasn't my life. I, I would honestly love to be, I'd love to be married to a simple man who works construction 95. I make him lunch. He comes home. We have a little smooch. We snuggle. Good night, nurse. I would love that. Instead, <laughs> I'm getting my neck mole bitten off. I'm fucking dating some man who lives in a fucking bus. I'm, I'm shitting in a hole in the woods. Like, I don't want this life, <laughs> but guess what? That's, that's, it was given to me. little but street yeah. dermatology there. That's cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I did have to get uh, actually surgically removed because it was dangling. Um, $400. And there we are. But right. uh, well, yeah, <laughs> that's at least, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, drawing from your personal experiences is, is super fun and it's real. You're not going to forget the material mm -hmm. it's not in a sense it's not written it's just you have uh, being fun in a fun way i guess sharing your life experience which mm -hmm. i think that's again that's kind of what comedy that's kind of comedy that i enjoy i know i i love feeling like at the end of a set i got to know somebody yeah. a little better than i knew them before for some reason that always kind of charges me up and i'm like oh i see how they think i know a little bit about them i i don't know i think that's a great thing i i try to lean into that i want that to happen in my sets mm -hmm. and so i, I think, think it's, it's a yeah, benefit it's also i think it's taken that's also like you know since it's not we're not in the same era of like setup punchline joke whatever that's kind of this new <clears throat> realm of like you know like more storytelling more like real shit like i really like like kurt Bronner and like you know, fucking who else is like very canane, like people who are telling like more real shit on. It's also like it's it's easier to relate to. And it's like I just I like seeing somebody very honest on stage. I can I just enjoy it more. And I think I think it is funnier when something is real. Yeah, and like a whole made up fucking. And it's also you can obviously tell when someone's like saying something that didn't happen. You're like, no, buddy, it didn't happen. Nothing <laughs> you just said made any sense or happened. It's also kind of you're creating, even if it's kind of yourself, you're kind of just creating a character for the audience to latch on to, yeah. you know, and like we all look, television's huge right now. Everyone's nuts over getting, you know, everyone's always walking up to people being like, have you, have you watched this? I was binge watching this show. People lean into those characters. And if on stage you create a heightened version of yourself that's a fun character, then, then that's awesome. And it's probably really good for opportunities with acting and social media connections and stuff like that. So sounds mm -hmm. like a great strategy. I mean, yeah, I do write, like I'll write down, like if I get stoned sometimes when I get where my weirdo ideas, um, but I will like jot down, like just like a couple lines, whatever. And then I usually write on, I usually write more on stage. Like all of my like books are just like jots. Like I don't sit. And if I do write, I write by hand, which I'm yeah. an old school psychopath. I don't like, I don't <laughs> type anything. I write my jokes in like a, a book. Yeah. Like and that's mostly book. off. You walk off stage and then write something down. No, 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 never. No, no, oh. no, 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 no. I, I, I don't think I've ever done that. Before. Maybe once I've done that. No, I'll, I'll like before, if I have a, like a tag or something, I'll write that down. But 
normally I'll just uh, kind of remember, especially something that's really well, I'll just like kind of clock it in my head while I'm on stage, like do, do that again, say it that way again. But I definitely would recommend to people to record, audio record. I never do that. I never did. And I, I wish looking back that I had done that more oh, just because there's always stuff that you, you miss. Yeah, always. You you probably left a ton on the table. Yeah, by not doing that. I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not judging you. I'm very. Oh no, I not, definitely have. Yeah. I'm not sure. disciplined at that with that either because I hate the sound of my own voice. Right. I think we all. That's one oh, of our yeah, challenges. Yeah. You gotta get mm. past that because we're just we're, we're just know we're gonna cringe and but it's so worth the cringe to get to those moments that you just you'll forget. Like you know you get that bit and you that bit you just think of during the day and it's, if you don't write it down right then sometimes mm-hmm. it, it's gone. Yeah. I do that before bed and I'll get pissed off. I'll go, okay, I'm like alive and I'll be so comfy. I'm like, I'll remember in the morning, who cares? And I'll wake up, I'll go, I fucking forgot. I'm so pissed. <laughs> and what I'll do now is I'll text myself in bed. I'll just text myself the joke before I fall asleep. And then sometimes in the morning, I'm like, this sucks. And sometimes I'm like, oh, that is hilarious. But yeah, usually yeah. most of the writing is done on stage because I just, I'm, I just comes more naturally if I have like, yeah, I have like, I have like two new ideas I'm going to be doing this weekend that are, for sure, not ready to be, you know, uh, said yet. But they'll be, they'll be getting worked out. <laughs> they'll be getting so, since, worked on. so since your style is a little more loose and, and you're more of an on-stage writer, how does that look when you're preparing for a set? Uh, do you make a set list? Do you stick to it? What's what's your strategy when it's coming to creating a set of material that you're going to perform? I kind of make a set. Um, that's what. I was, oh, I, I want to say something else earlier about something was a tip. I like to watch a whole show. I don't want people to show up and just go on at their set time. I don't like to do that. I like to see what the crowd has laughed at. I like to see what their tone is. So I'll usually go if I'm on like near the end, I'll go at the beginning of the show to watch because I don't want to ever repeat a similar joke that somebody else has talked about or do the same crowd work. So I realized that the other day. I don't know if you guys know who Rick Ingram is. He's so fucking funny. He's at the comedy store and he does like mostly crowd work. And I made the mistake of being backstage and not seeing exactly who he was talking about. So when I went up, I didn't do the same bit, but I like mentioned the same couple in the crowd. I felt them go, eh, and I go, oh, have they already been talked to? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, okay, bitch, relax. Like, <laughs> Next time I'm going to go watch who he talks to. Cause it's like, the crowd doesn't want to see you bug the same people or ask the same questions too. It's like, it's also like, you're on the show, go be part of the show, go watch. Like, of course you don't want to watch every show. It's annoying, but especially if you're newer and you want to get like a sense, like I, I don't make a set list until I go to the show. Okay. I don't like in the day. I'm like, I have a show tonight. I'm not like, well, what jokes am I going to do tonight? I wait till I get there and I'll like kind of see. Cause I'm like, I know if I can go full dirty, just sometimes I can tell a crowd won't want it. I'll still do it, but I'll try to like, <laughs> I'll try to navigate a little bit around it to see. And I'm like, I, I like to all like to open on something new or something that happened that day or just something to get me in the mood to talk to these people and not be like bored of myself immediately. Cause sometimes I feel like, I hate it. You can tell when a comic's bored of their jokes. It's like, yeah, you can yeah. tell it's you're bored. You're bored watching them. They're bored saying it. It's everyone can tell. I, I love that you yeah. said that the the tip, because it, it always confused me when I go into the, go to, you know, be booked on a show, especially in the beginning. And I go into the green room and they just be hanging out talking. I'm like, wait, we're, we're part of this, sh- this. We're all a part of the show. How are we mm-hmm. not seeing what happens before us? We're just going to go out there cold and not know uh-huh. if anything, any interaction has occurred or anything you can grab onto later or call back to. It always uh-huh. kind of blew my mind that, that, that we didn't, as a, as comedians, we didn't want to be, uh, you know, more informed as how the show was going. Like, yeah, I, I won't like, if I'm headlining, I'm not going to watch the whole show. Cause I'll be like, okay, this is getting, 
I, I need to get kind of in my head before I go on stage, sure. but I'll like, I'll definitely watch what the host says. I'll definitely see how like read the room a little bit. And like, especially if you're in a green room where you can hear the crowd. I love that. Cause I can still like be focused, but also like tune in and out. But yeah, you got to have some sense of what's going on out there before you just go on and do fucking 45 minutes. Yeah. Well, you'll get it's some, crazy. you'll, you'll probably glean. You have to have, get some sort of information out of that, whether it's, yeah, just who, who's been crowd work, like you said, or yeah, like, there's going to be a callback opportunity. You're going to hear, I mean, I think we do the same thing, you know, uh, Brian and I host a lot. So if he's hosting, I'm listening to go, okay, which jokes are they laughing at harder? What's, what kind of material is connecting tonight? Yeah. What, do we have a, do we have like a young crowd? Do we have a married uh -huh. couple crowd? Like, and we're always kind of analyzing, okay, which, how should I structure my set to best work for this audience tonight? Even though sometimes I feel like I've cracked that code, I still haven't. I remember this one show I did where I was like being a little sensitive. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't do the show. It's dirty. And they're like, do it, do it. And then I was like, I did it. And then afterwards, it's like 70 year old woman came out to me. She goes, sweetheart, you think anything you said is new? We've been 69ing for years or whatever the fuck she said. I was like, okay. I'm like, yeah, you forget that. Like you can't judge an audience just by that. Like you think you can in your head, but I'm like, you can't, you don't know what these fucking people have done or what they've been through. Like, true. so you can't fully judge but you, you can kind of hear what they're laughing at but I, I still my favorite thing to do which is psychotic i love if i start doing well and i lose them completely and then i get them back even harder that to me is like a fucking feat in a set where you just like you go you can like I, I can like go from killing to completely bombing and then just that getting them back is like i'm like i'm the fucking man i'm like i did that i got them and, that's and hard. I've lost them. It is hard. And, and I imagine, and you, with your style, you you acknowledge that with them, right? Like oh, I lost you. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I let them know, and I'm like, I'll get you back. Maybe I won't. And then sometimes, <laughs> yeah. Or if someone doesn't like me, I'll always find the one person that hates me and focus on it. And I need to stop doing that because that. Oh, we do. You have to. It's our so lights stupid. Our lights are off, so you really, it really doesn't unless you unless you ask us to turn them up a little bit, or you keep the house lights down. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm not used to it. when I go to rooms where, where it's not like that. That's what you do. You zoom in on that one uh -huh. person, and you can't let it go. You're like, I'm gonna get them. And and sometimes you never do. Sometimes you don't. No, it, it hurts. Usually, yeah, <laughs> it yeah, hurts. yeah. Usually I don't. Usually it's one man and he's repulsed by me, and then I make him feel even more uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, it turns into a thing. Uh, yeah, but it's also like, why focus on him when the rest of the crowd is enjoying it? Like, who cares? Like, I hate you. He hates you. Big luck. Yeah, have fun with it, man. Yeah, you don't want to fixate on it. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, well, let's go ahead and and get into our last segment. It's a little strange. I'm going to play a graphic. It's called Last Laugh. Lies a funny comedian. Okay. So uh, <laughs> the way it works is, Steph, you, you give us a joke. It could be yours. It could be somebody else's that you want on your tombstone to be remembered by. I'd probably say uh, she probably died doing what she loved, dipping her lips. And then I would make sure that I had an the image picture. of me, a yes. picture of me dipping my lips in the sea. <laughs> that joke, uh, people quote that. People, That's uh, like one of my quotable jokes. Do you have a sticker? No, I should get you a I sticker. Should get them, I should get some. Yeah, that's a very good idea. Yeah. Uh, well, we're we're looking forward to seeing that squat in our room. Oh, <laughs> you're gonna see the squat. You're gonna see it all weekend. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it's been su it's such such a pleasure to to spend time with you today, talking comedy with you, Steph. Uh, congratulations on being passed at the store. That's incredible, and for everything you've done in your career, and and it's only up from here. We're and mm -hmm. we're looking forward to work with you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, but thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been Breaking Down Bits. 
Well, let's get Steph to tell. How can we find you online real ah, fast? Yeah. So anyone, anyone who hasn't already followed you, where can we find you on the interwebs? At Steph Tolev on everything. Instagram, Bam. Twitter. There it is. Follow Steph me on Instagram. Steph Tolev. And yeah. do it. All <laughs> My right, Twitter guys. sucks. <laughs> Mine too. What's that on that? Our Twitter sucks. All right. Y'all get out of here. Thank y'all for listening. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Breaking Down Bits. You can keep in touch or get more when you follow at Breaking Down Bits on social media. Visit the website BreakingDownBits.com or shoot us an email at BreakingDownBits at gmail.com.